Scotty, energize. Energize. Unfiltered, unfazed, unscripted, unabashed, undeniably energized the Lawn Friend Podcast, June 7th, 2016. I'm not on your radar. I'm under your desk. And I could see that you're not wearing panties. Thank you. <clears throat> so I... Came to L.A., had some things to do, felt like, hey, Mike Stark, can I come to the studio and just do a show? And he said, yeah, dude, this studio is open 24-7 for Lawn M. Friend. And I'm, thank you. So I got some tunes to play. Yeah, obviously this is a apocalyptic day. It's It's a primary day. And... Whenever you get around to listening to this, it doesn't matter. We're in an on-demand world. You listen to it at your leisure. I'm just going to say some shit, and I'm going to offer some perspective. And I've got some things to read to you that are very interesting. Um, because these are, these are very, very terrifying times <laughs> we are living in. I have this, I have this theory that um, it's possible that... Not only do we need rock and roll and music to make our lives better to for escapism, for healing from difficult emotional times, to lift us out of health crises, but I think we may need rock and roll to save the planet right now. You may have to tune out all of the noise that's coming at you through every medium possible, get, given our incredible technological prowess here in the world that, that, that our iPhones hold the universe in your hand. And you may just have to kind of like get out of CNN.com and BuzzFeed and go right into your Apple Music or whatever tunes you need to listen to and not let the poison rhetoric and the madness tear tear apart what's good about the world cuz there's a lot of good in the world and artists reflect that in their creations in i was born a child of the Beatles. I've told this story both in print and verbally countless times that on February 9th, 1964 in Sherman Oaks, California in a duplex apartment that was $110 a month. Not long after my parents divorced, I was seven years old and I was watching the TV and there in black and white was this funny man introducing these four mop tops musicians from England. And that, Next day, I went out and I bought this album called Meet the Beatles. And that, that's, that's pretty much, that's it. Now, all the blanks that get filled in by me personally are a career in rock journalism and uh, media and 
a lot of years of uh, hitting potholes on the road less traveled, two memoirs. Um, so these dates that are coming up that mean something to me are um, on July the 11th, it'll be the 10th, 10th anniversary of the release of my first book, Life on Planet Rock, out of print for many years. Despite the foreword by Lars Ulrich, uh, there was uh, tepid sales. <laughs> but that's okay, because I'm not in this for the money. And um, Rip Magazine, which uh, was birthed in December 1986, Larry Flint Publications, which I took over in its seventh issue in 1987, will see its 30th anniversary at the end of the year. And my friend Chris Bush, who owns the trademark, Austin, Texas, a D.C.-trained intellectual property attorney with a heavy metal heart, brilliant, he is, uh, he's resurrected the RIP uh, brand via his robust social media efforts the rip magazine facebook page the official rip magazine facebook page is approaching 60,000 uh visit users users um on July 29th i will hit 60 so i asked this universal question will you still need me will you still feed me i'm not even going to ponder 64 i'm I'm just trying to get to 60. So on the day that Getty Lee celebrates his birthday, I will be celebrating my 60th birthday. And I got a really nice note from Slash, because I I said I'm going to throw a small party in Las Vegas where I live, and I wanted him to come, but he's on the road, and he sent me a nice birthday. He says, sorry, dude, I can't be at your party, but hey, man, it's going to be great. You know, Slash played the rip parties. Now, this isn't going to be a rip party. It's just an intimate gathering of people who I want around me that I could share my survival and uh, maybe some tunes. So, uh, the, you know, I tie things together that sometimes other people don't see the threads in, interwoven. July 29th is also Mussolini's birthday. <laughs> Benito used to stand on the balcony and shout fascist uh, rhetoric and slogans and at his people. You know, he and Hitler, they were, they were the two that took over. And um, somebody said this to me as we were getting into a discussion about Donald Trump here on Primary Day, as we talk about how terrifying the world is getting, um, that 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 the way that Trump perches his chin up, his facial gesticulations, movements, mirror some of Mussolini's. And I I haven't studied it that much. I, 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 I have other reasons why Donald Trump creeps me out. But <clears throat> when you think about these faces and the metaphors and what they represent and what's the vitriol and the all these negative disconnecting themes it's it's uh it's disconcerting for peaceful warriors like myself and others beatles children all you need is love children 
So maybe this, as Brian Wilson once said, uh, I guess I just wasn't made for these times. It's very possible that several of us aren't, and our anxiety is collectively birthed by the uh, climate of the planet right now. It's tough out there. So I've got tunes, and there are... We'll connect the dots, as we always do here on Energize Lawn Friend Podcast. So I'm going to start you off with this kind of rapturous, epic opus by the great Marillion called The Man of a Thousand Faces. And then I'll be back, and, and, and I'm going to read you some lyrics. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Faces, a little piece of me in every part I take I hold the tape for a thousand races A different point of view in every speech I make Cut me a piece of my divided soul Cry me a river, call it rock and roll
Schizophrenia. Nobody thinks anymore how marvelous it is that the whole world is diseased. No point of reference, no frame of health. God might just as well be typhoid fever. No absolutes, only light years of deferred progress. When I think of those centuries in which all Europe grappled with the Black Death, I realize how radiant life can be if only we are bitten in the right place. The dance and fever in the midst of that corruption. Europe may never again dance so ecstatically. And syphilis, the advent of syphilis, there it was, like a morning star hanging over the rim of the world. In 1927, I sat in the Bronx listening to a man reading from the diary of a drug addict. The man could scarcely read. He was laughing so hard. Two phenomena utterly disparate. A man lying in luminol, so taut that his feet stretched beyond the window, leaving the upper half of his body in ecstasy. The other man, who is the same man, sitting in the Bronx and laughing his guts out because he doesn't understand. I, the great son of syphilis, is setting. Low visibility. Forecast for the Bronx, for America, for the whole modern world. Low visibility accompanied by great gales of laughter. 
No new stars on the horizon. Catastrophes, only catastrophes.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, June 7th, 2016. I can't connect the dots, so hello to the drugs. It's a plea. It's a, it's a cry for help. It's a surrender that pff, this world is getting too fucking difficult for me to take, so uh, I'm obviously going to have to medicate. It takes real patience to meditate, but it's sometimes easier to medicate, and you know that that's what's happening. The pharmaceutical business is going to love this political campaign. Chips Enough, the psychedelic balladeer freak beautiful soul from chicago illinois that's his 2015 strange time record he gave me this disc after his band's stunning performance at last month's m3 hair hair metal celebration in columbia maryland which i was blessed to attend for the third year in a row with my friend Christopher Rip magazine Resurrection Bush. Boy, that was that was a lot of fun. Saw Steven Adler do his his GNR infused set with uh um <sighs> Bunton Bunton Emily's what what's his name Bunton? Uh, he's the singer. Fuck, forgot it. Anyway, he sings like you know, like Axel, like other people try to do. There's only one Axel, and uh, but those songs, man. Those in, when anybody plays those songs, that gets the crowd going. Rem- reminds them of a time of debauchery and celebration that they miss. That's why thirty thousand people show up for two days in the rain. To see, you know, bands like that, Firehouse and Faster Pussycat. Um, okay, so that, you know, like, that was Henry Miller, recorded in 1949 in Big Sur. I play that for two reasons. One, he's, he's, the, he's the greatest American, most courageous, fearless uh, American author to ever take pen to parchment he was born in 1881 and he died in on this day in 1980 he died five months six months before john lennon was taken from us so you know i'm big on dates and numbers so june 7th this is the 36th anniversary and i have this disc that my friend mark my oldest friend mark gave me where Miller is reading in Big Sur, Nepenthe Big Sur in 1949. And it's so raw and so brilliant. He's reading some passages from Colossus of Marusi and Black Spring. And then he just starts riffing on other stuff. You can't even find this. It's just so fucking rare. But I had to pay my respects to the great Miller. Go on YouTube. You can find some things about him. But read his books. Read uh, Time of the Assassins, which Nadia, the documentary filmmaker, doing a uh, rather encompassing doc on Larry Flint, my mentor, my first boss. 
another courageous muckraking anti-hypocrisy. <laughs> she said <laughs> during her interview with Larry last week, she she asked him about Trump, and he couldn't. He, he just almost couldn't even articulate an a response. It was he's he's that far off the grid of legitimacy that Larry Flint couldn't manufacture a response, but I'm paraphrasing. So I come out of Marillion, voice of command, voice of a snake, voice of humanity, voice of insanity, voice of obedience. Game of Thrones fans like myself, like, uh, like, uh, Everclear's lead singer. He had a Game of Thrones shirt when I saw him last year in Austin. Artie. Artie Alexakis. He, uh... We, there's a, there's a many-faced God uh, character. It's not a character. It's Arya Stark is going through her dark night of the soul, and she has to... Sh- she has to be the warrior. She has to renounce all of her corporeal needs and desires and wants in order to get to the authentic self. So she tear, you know, all these faces are t- torn off and they're put in this dark dungeon-like hall, this castle. Now, these aren't necessarily connected themes. It's just, who's telling you the truth? Where's the truth? Who's got the mask on? What do you choose to hear? Which brings us back to Donald Trump. And then I got this email sent to me today called America's Shadow, The Real Secret of Donald Trump. And it's by Deepak Chopra. And I'm just going to read a couple graphs from it. There's a powerful way to explain the rise of Donald Trump that most commentators have missed, entirely or undervalued. The standard line describes Trump as a bizarre anomaly. Beginning as an improbable celebrity candidate, he has defined all, defied all the conventional rules of politics, which should have been fatal. Instead, Trump has swept all before him on the Republican side, possessing a genius for grabbing the limelight. He continues to dominate the scene in ways no previous politician has ever in modern times. So the conventional view goes. But in reality, Trump isn't bizarre or anomalous. He stands for something universal, something right before your eyes. It's an aspect of the human psyche that we feel embarrassed and ashamed of, which makes it our collective secret. Going back a century in the field of depth of psychology, the secret side of human nature acquired a special name. The shadow. The shadow compounds all the dark impulses, hatred, aggression, sadism, selfishness, jealousy, resentment, sexual transgression. They are hidden out of sight. The name originated with Carl Jung, but its basic origin came from Freud's insight that our psyches are dualistic, sharply divided between the conscious and the unconscious. 
The rise of civilization is a tribute to how well we obey our conscious mind and suppress our unconscious side. But what hides in the shadows will out. When it does, societies that look well-ordered and rational, fair and just, cultured and refined, suddenly erupt in horrible displays of everything they are not about. Violence, prejudice, chaos, ungovernable irrationality. In fact, the tragic irony is that the worst eruptions of the shadow occur in societies that on the surface have the least to worry about. This explains why all of Europe, at the height of settled, civilized behavior, threw itself into the inferno of World War I. If Trump is the latest expression of the shadow, he isn't a bizarre anomaly, which would be true if normal, rational values are our only standard of measure. Turn the coin over, making the unconscious your standard of measure, and he is absolutely typical. When the shadow breaks out, What's wrong is right. Being transgressive feels like a relief because suddenly the collective psyche can gamble in forbidden fields. When Trump indulges in rampant bad behavior at the same time, it says to his riotous audiences, this is fun, isn't it? He's expressing in our public ashamed impulse to stop obeying the rules. But the fun of World War I which almost gleefully sent young men off to fight, quickly turned to horror in the shadow, closed an insidious trap. Once released, it's very hard to force the shadow back into its underground bunker. The Republican Party has kept the shadow on a slow simmer for decades, ever since Nixon discovered how to make hay from Southern racism, law and order aggression against minorities, and us-versus-them attitudes to the Vietnam anti-war movement. In order to make themselves feel unashamed... The good people on the right found figureheads after Nixon who exuded respectability. The irony is that with civilized societies, that seemed the least likely to allow the shadow to run free. The more benign a Reagan or Bush acted, the stronger the shadow became the facade. Trump is stripped away the facade, intoxicated by the fun of letting his demons run, discovering too much to his surprise, as Nixon did, that millions of people roared with approval. Yet by comparison, Nixon retained relative control over the forces he unleashed while Trump may be riding a tiger. That part of the story has yet to play itself out. I'm not a political guy. In fact, what I really enjoyed during that rant was listening to Stephen Wilson's um, instrumental bed behind... (laughs) See, there's a method to my madness, too. And I am a uniter. I'm a, I'm a small pebble on the beach of life. I would rather concentrate on the music than on the mayhem. I, I'm not a political dude. I mean, Democrat, Republican, Independent. I'm looking for sanity and humanity. It's not about vanity. Right? Anyway. If any of that made sense, I mean, Deepak Chopra, I've read a bunch of his books. You know, it gets kind of heady, but I'll 
I'll take it to the bank that he's making a point. And I, one of the books that really affected me during what I call the bitch slap by the universe spring of 1998, when all these books came to me and I realized that I was going down the road less traveled and I wasn't going to make a big living anymore. And I had to figure out who the fuck I was. Um, which I've tried to explain in two memoirs and failed miserably. So that's why I'm going to write the third one. Um, get really down into the sand with all the scorpions, fire ants. Um, I don't even know what I was about to say. I lost my train of thought. Mike, what was I, what point was I about to make just then? I was really rolling and I forgot. Okay. Anyway, so it's a numbers game. So I guess I'm going to play this Radiohead track because it's about the numbers. Energize the Lawn Friend podcast, June 7th, Election Day, 2016.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. <clears throat> the brilliant Tom York. So this is this is a verse from that song, The Numbers by Radiohead. We call upon the people. People have this power. The numbers don't decide. Your system is a lie. The river running dry. The wings of a butterfly. And you may pour us away like soup. Like we're pretty broken flowers. We'll take back what is ours take back what is ours one day at a time you know with pete seeger and bob dylan in the 60s it's a different decade <clears throat> i'm not i'm not even judging i'm just reporting and observing there the reason why by the producer of The Apprentice, the billionaire whose name is on buildings, the reason why he and Bernie Sanders, fellow Hebrew grandpa from Vermont, the reason why these two polarizing yet extremely popular politicians have ignited different ends of the spectrum is because people like Tom York has just opined, feel they've lost their power. Pretty broken flowers. Patty Smith sang it 40 years ago, 30, 40 years. People have the power. People have the power. power. And Lennon, power to the people. So I guess there comes, you know, every generation is going to have its moment. There is a confluence of events, a perfect storm taking place now that is unprecedented because the numbers, if everybody who's angry shows up to speak their mind, there's going to be turnouts for this general election that are going to break records. 
if all if all of the people who think that Donald Trump doesn't believe that they are worthy of living amongst the rest of us here in this great country, they'll go out and they'll vote. Or they won't, you know. How engaged are you in the process? Maybe if it just seems crazy, just put on your headphones and listen to that new Radiohead record. I mean, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> so, I mean, these are flammable issues and flammable characters. And then there's Hillary, because, you know, there's haters and then there's lovers. I mean, she's a woman. In this country has needed female energy. This whole world needs it. Germany has a great female leader because the penis is what gets us into the wars. Too much testosterone, man. You know, all those Furious movies. There's like seven Furious movies. I mean, that's just boner city. And that stuff, all that testosterone, I mean, that's dangerous. So you got to have a goddess element. But is she the goddess or is she's you know, maybe she's got a penis? Who knows? Nobody sees it. I mean, she she's just that skull and bones, you know, Bush Clinton dynasty. I don't know. Just riffing here. I told you I don't have a script. I mean, I used to do this show every week and then I moved to the desert and I come back to L.A. every few months and. I just do it because I love being in front of the microphone and I love playing great songs for people and exploring the theater of the mind. Radio has always been my favorite medium ever since I was a kid. So much synchronicity in my life. Do you know I met this, I mentioned Nadia, one of her people that works for her is working on this documentary. One of her internists, interns, not internists, it's not a physician. Um, she, we just, I get into this Twilight Zone rap this morning because she's from New York. And I said, oh, I was in upstate New York. And I went to Rod Serling's grave. She goes, that's interesting you say that because my godmother was in a Twilight Zone episode. And I went, what? I go, well, which episode? Because I know them all. And she says, well, she played a robot. And I got into it with her. I said, wait a minute. Jean Marsh? She goes, Jean Marsh? Yeah, that's my godmother. I said, Jean Marsh, she was the female robot sent to the prisoner, Corey, who was interned on an asteroid in the episode The Lonely from season one. And she goes, that's right. And she goes, she wikipedia's and there she is there with with jack warden who played Corey. so then i go into this riff i said well let me tell you an interesting rock and roll connection binghamton new york is where rod serling was born and raised in upstate new york ithaca college he taught at ithaca college he's buried in interlaken that's where the photo i showed of me standing over his his headstone, his his plaque, where he, where he's was put to rest. <clears throat> I said, "Do you know my friend Fred Corey from the band Cinderella?" And Fred now does music for L.A. Kings and TV shows. He's got a hit show on NBC, and 
He's one of my favorite people. I've known him since, you know, the first Cinderella record, Night Songs. We stayed in touch, even when I lost my platform. So he tells me this story last year as I'm standing, finished my visit to the to the cemetery where Rod, the great Rodman Serling, is, is, is buried. And he says, you know, Lon, my family's from Binghamton. And... My dad owned a furniture store in the 1940s and 50s. And I go, yeah. And he says, and Rod Serling used to come into my dad's store and buy pieces of furniture. And Serling really liked my dad. And I said, yeah. Well, that character from that Twilight Zone episode, the lonely, Corey, Rod Serling named him after my dad. And I went, what? He goes, no, it's a true story, Lon. So I told Sophie, the intern, this story. And she went, what? Because it's all connected. (laughs) Now, I, I saw Cinderella on New Year's Eve 1991 in Tokyo, Japan, at the Tokyo Dome. Open for... Skid Row and Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi was the headliner. 50,000 people. I flew over to do a cover story, which I talk about in my first book, called Bon Jovi, Dead or Alive. And it's mentioned in the Behind the Music on Bon Jovi. And here's where we get connected, right? I found this disc that my friend Tony Kuzminski made me, and it's a bootleg from a show where Richie Sambora solo does the most ass-kicking version of Dead or Alive. And that's what I'm going to play you right now. Because I have no rules and no rhyme and no reason because all that matters is the music and the season. And if that's treason, well, fuck me. This is Energize, the Line Friend Podcast. My friend Richie Sambor, live. Dead or alive. I got run to keep from hiding. And the road goes on forever. I got one. And I'm not gonna let him catch you, no Not gonna let him catch the midnight rider Cause I'm not gonna let him catch you, no Not gonna let him catch the midnight
get back Cause I'm a cowboy On a steel horse I ride I'm a wanted In a life
coming. Thanks for sharing this with me. It's been a very special experience. Thanks a lot. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, 1988's Long Cold Winter, one of my top 10 records of the 80s. I don't care what genre, that is a masterpiece. I was honored to be part of its its visibility. The first Cinderella cover was, I remember that silver background, it was a Ross Alvin cover, Tom Kiefer, 
and Richie Sambora remain two of my favorite guitar players playing that the, the, one from Philly, one from Jersey, Les Pauls. They're still kicking, still at, kicking ass. And th- just listen to that song because I relate to that. I relate to that whole record. <clears throat> when I handed when I handed um, Tom Kiefer a copy of Sweet Demotion at the House of Blues in 2011 after the book was published, he looked at the cover. And he, he looked at me. He goes, is this your long, cold winter lawn? <laughs> And I said, yes. I even named one of the chapters in the book my long Coldplay winner as I mix genres for the sake of keeping the narrative going of my eclectic love of music. See, I'm an accidental headbanger. And we'll elaborate on that another time. The late, great Andy Johns who, when he had too many cocktails, would tell you the most incredible stories about Led Zeppelin. He's a giant of a man, wicked sense of humor. And uh, I I loved the guy, and he he passed away a couple years ago. I was sad that day. We, we, We think that just recently, because all these great heroes, these rock personalities, these icons, Prince, Bowie, Glenn Fry, Paul Kantner, they're perishing in greater numbers as we turn to the Radiohead theme numbers. But everybody's dying. And maybe there is a theory, another theory, that life is getting more challenging the energy of the planet is too much for artistic souls so they're they're leaving i can't handle this look what happened to nick mensa he's on stage playing jam playing his drums at the baked potato the baked potato on ventura boulevard in the neighborhood i grew up in in studio city sherman oaks north hollywood the valley where me and steve lukather went to high school grant high and in fact, the, the last time I was at the Baked Potato was for Luke's 50th birthday. He had a crazy party that night. Steve I showed up, jammed with him. That's that's a face-melting pair. Anyway, Nick Mensa, who I loved, great sense of humor, great drummer, Megadeth, 51 years old, heart attack, drops dead. So, you know, I get... I get mel- I get melancholy for a minute, and then I understand that if it's not your time, nothing can take you. If it is your time, nothing can save you. That your time comes, boom, you're done, and you take it. And maybe there is this, there's some legitimacy to this philosophy that the artists are a little more sensitive to the vibrations. And when it gets really dark, when that deepak shadow is cast, then. Uh, then look out below. So, so um, Hillary won the New Jersey primary. Speaking of Richie, <laughs> he and Orianthe are out there tearing it up together. They, they're they're a lovely couple. You know, they they really kind of get each other, which is weird because you know he's he's twice her age, but that's cool. She's she is the most badass female guitar player. 
in she grew up in this kind of privileged community in Australia in Adelaide. Adelaide, Australia it is is like high rent district. It's like Westchester County, Pacific Palisades. But you know, if you got the talent, you got the talent and you pick up the guitar and I I I love Orianti. I've spent I've spent a couple uh, hang had a couple good hangs with her over the last few years when she was with Alice Cooper and and um, she's a badass. She and Richie are a good couple. You know, if he's happy, great. So, um, I don't know what happened with the Republicans in New Jersey, but I, there's a song I want to play you. It was the band that I signed at Arista called the Bogmen from Long Island, New York. And they had this song called Mexico and it wasn't a hit. Cause if they, if they had had a hit, I probably would still be in the record business, <laughs> but I failed miserably as an A&R executive. But I, but this song, this song is fucking brilliant. And just listen to the trumpet solo at the end. It was, it was done in one take by a fellow named Pender, who was a friend of one of the band members who played in a in a band on a talk late night talk a very a very established late night talk show band, and it makes this song, and I'm playing it because you know I try to bring all the connections together in a Jungian fashion, but it's called Mexico, and. There will never be a wall. The only wall that ever was was Pink Floyd's. Thank you. This is Energize. Shut my 
tales can come true It can happen to you If you're young at heart For it's hard you will find To be narrow of mind If you're young at heart You can go to extremes With impossible schemes You can laugh when your dreams Fall apart at the seams And life gets more exciting With each passing day And love is either in your heart Or on its way Don't you know that it's worth Every treasure on earth To be young and hard For as rich as you are, it's much better by far to be young at heart. And if you should survive to a hundred and five, look at all you'll derive out of being alive. And here is the best part, you have a head start. If you are among the very young at heart And if you should survive to a hundred and five look at all you'll derive out of being alive and here is the best part you have a head start if you are among the very young at all Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, Bob Dylan doing Frank. I figured I'd lighten it up a little bit here. It's getting kind of heavy. Um, the It's the young at heart that are going to shift this election from the darkness to the light. It's the young. It's the youth. It's my daughter's generation. It's the Instagrammers. With the velvet hammers. The imperfect stammers. There's a crack in the dammers. Silence of the lammers. <laughs> okay. So, June 7th. I think this is our 57th show, Mike, even though there's no consistency. And um, I'm just really enjoying sitting here and having a, a sense of spontaneity and presence, tackling some issue, some topics that may be fl flammable to topics, but doing with a sense of kind of grace and melody, finding the 
songs that mirror. That mirror. It's our 60th show? No shit. That's my birthday come. Numbers. Numbers. Thank you, Jay Vanitsky. Behind the glass, my music director. Well, he's my intern. <laughs> See, Nadia's not the only she's not the only one that has interns. But I my intern's from Chicago. He wouldn't even watch the Penguins game with me last night because he's so loyal to the Blackhawks. But I love hockey. And I and I and I love watching playoff basketball, Golden State Warriors. Um Yeah, Cleveland Rocks, but the Cavaliers they've hit the rocks. Anyway, let me stay on let me stay on point here. So that's Mexico by the Bogmen. Billy Campion, Billy Ryan, Brendan Ryan. You know, they're the band I signed. That's that that record was produced by Godfrey Diamond. It was it was started by Bill Laswell, because I AR'd that record. It was started by the great Bill Laswell, but it was finished by Godfrey Diamond, who produced my favorite Lou Reed record, Coney Island Baby. And he did a great job. It was called Closed Captioned Radio. It came out in 1998, just as I was departing the company when my contract wasn't renewed. And I was set adrift into the rebo season in hell of self-discovery as I entered onto my gypsy road looking for home. You could read the memoirs. You could still get them. And, and I'm trying to write the third. I just have been distracted, seen a lot of movies. I'm really into Lucy. I've watched it three times. Scarlett Johansson. She's, she starts to use her brain power. Now think about this. What if... How many people in the electorate are using more than 1% of their brain power? What if... We're, what if that what that film postulates is true. What if we get up into like 10, 20, 30, 40% of your brain power and then you could start doing unbelievable powerful things. You can shape shift and alter matter and time and space. It's 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 a theory, but you know, Morgan Freeman had the theory. <laughs> anyway, I love Luke Bison. He makes crazy films and that that was my favorite film of 2014, I think came out 2014 or 2015, uh, Lucy. So I love Scarlett Johansson. She's not the actress that, she's not kind of like my, what do you call it? Oh, the Notting Hill fantasy. My my true Notting Hill fantasy actress, it's, it's either um, Jessica Chastain, because she's redhead and, and she's from Bakersfield. Kind of, how do you grow up? where Jonathan from Corn grew up and not be cool. <laughs> All day I dream about Jessica Chastain. She's she's really good in the Martian and anyway, so the other one is is um is uh, Rooney Mara. There was this film I saw the other, like last week, about uh, antidepressant addiction and uh, and a murder, and Rooney Mara was in it, and it it was a Steven Soderbergh film. Wow, 
What's it called, Jay? Could you intern that for me? Rooney Mara, Steven Soderbergh. It's a dark film about a murder, and and uh, it and it, it it delves into the the whole the illusion that antidepressants will make your life better. And what was it called? Anyway, I'll get you that in a minute because I have my intern Jay from Chicago, who's a film executive himself, currently on hiatus. <laughs> what? Side effects. Wow. Really disturbing, powerful film. Speaking of disturbing, powerful programming, you you guys should check out the Girlfriend Experience on uh, Stars. Binge the whole season. It's so claustrophobic and brilliantly directed. It's a man and a woman created directed write all the episodes and when i looked at some of the um you know the special the 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 rap they do after an episode when you watch it on demand the episodes that are that are male centric either for a sexual point of view are directed by the man and his partner the female directs the more female centric and it's kind of it's that whole world of internet Sanctioned internet prostitution, um, sleep, keep, what is it called? Uh, Seekingarrangement.com shit, where these cottage industries that have blossomed on the internet for enterprising people, obviously the oldest profession in the world is going to make some great hay there. It's brilliantly written, dark, and... Um, Soderbergh's an executive producer. It was based on this film um, that was written by Brian Koppelman, who I knew from the music business a long time ago. Great writer. He wrote my favorite poker movie of all time, which was Rounders. And his partner, David Levine, they have a show called Billions on Showtime, which is fucking great. Um, you know, it's really weird that that because I've been so distracted by such engaging theater on the small and big screen. Uh, I haven't even gotten into Black Sails and Pirates. Forget about Or Outlander. Hello. Um, this is why I can't get my third book. I can't just get it done. But I'm, I'm going to turn off the TV. If I could turn off... I mean, I don't even have news channels. So if I could turn off that that part of it. I could turn off the other part of it and I could just discipline myself to write the the third memoir. The tr- it has the trilogy Return of the King or the Jester in my case. Finish it and then, you know, live a happy life cuz this is my 60th show and I'm going to be 60 on July 29th to 9/11. 50 born in 56, 5 and 6 11. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> where am I, Mike? What do we? What? What? What do we? Okay, so. Okay, so we're in the middle of this this long day. I haven't even. I mean, this is real time for me. It's whenever you tune in, however, twenty or thirty of you find this, wherever. 
I'm not big on self-promotion or linking or tagging. I wouldn't know a plate of hash browns from a hashtag. And I don't tweet. But uh, <clears throat> if you find this, this, all this has taken place, and the pundits will be yapping about Super Tuesday, which is what today is, June 7th, Super Tuesday. And if there's a song for this election, for if there's a song for humanity, for the good people of America right now, it's this one. Thank you. The people. Come on, sing it, John Lennon. Thank you very much. It's energized. Power Hear me here clapping. Thank
the afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one, Dr. Everything will be alright.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Escape is never the safest place. Because because they're going to find you, the dissidents. Um, June 11th, this is a... um, this is a live recording in the brown package. Pearl Jam did a number of these years ago, and I found this one. And if you if if you've read my book Sweet Demotion, there's a chapter called Rob and Lon's Excellent European Metal Adventure, and it's about my knac.com trip in 2000 to Europe to attend the Dynamo Festival in Amsterdam, headlined by Iron Maiden. To, uh, to attend the Rockin' Park Festival in Germany. I went to Berlin with Korn and P.O.D. Um, I saw Iron Maiden and Slayer on that trip in uh, Earl's Court, London. But that show, that Pearl Jam show, they headlined, the, they were one of the top bands of the Rockin' Park along with Rage Against the Machine. I'm, I'm just riffing off the top of my head. Um, Counting Crows. Uh, Oasis, um, uh, Die Totenhosen. <laughs> so that I was standing on the stage, okay, like on Mike McCready's side of the stage when Pearl Jam played that set. That's a recording that I attended. That was part of that trip. That magical trip and these were the earliest these were my first blogging days these were the days where streaming media was just just commencing and knc.com and rob the great rob jones the genius rob jones who took the the moniker the the call letters from the from the legendary knc fm in uh, long beach california he put it online he built it on a laptop in his living room, and uh, I came in to be editor-in-chief when he got financing with Bob Ezrin, another legend, who I was blessed to uh, <clears throat> work with and work for uh, at the crack of the millennium in 2000. That that road trip, that three-week road trip, was a truly extraordinary experience, and I would, every night, we would collect video and audio, and I would write the day's experience, and Rob would encode and compress in the middle of the night, and he'd have it up on the site by morning. And we were chronicling this trip. This is summer of 2000. And when I think now that, okay, June 11th, right, that's... That's like now. Here we are. What's the date? June 7th. So we're coming up on the 16th anniversary of that festival. And I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, what? where the fuck have I been the last 16 years? <laughs> oh, wow. I really need to get a third book written. I got some heavy mental stuff to talk about. <laughs> Um, Jay, you mentioned that that concert took place shortly before the tragedy at Roxgilda in Copenhagen, right? It was the year before, 99, 
that I went to that site of Rockskilda. It was part of the trip where I went to see Sting. I work on the brand new day marketing with Sting and met Peter Gabriel in the summer of 99. It was the summer before. And that trip ended. That's also in my book, Sweet Demotion, the Gabriel and Sting chapters. That trip ended with a completely serendipitous overnighter to Copenhagen where Metallica and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Marilyn Manson were performing. And what I really, the, the most random thing I remember about that night, about that trip, was sitting in Kirk Hammett's dressing room and talking about Jimi Hendrix and then giving him a cassette tape of Ursula Lagoon reading the Tao Te Ching. His Kirk's brain was starting to shift like mine had shifted the year before into these Taoist, Buddhist, uh, mystical con- philosophies. And we we were really beginning to kind of like operate on the same plane of under- sort of spiritual understandings then. It was early in both of our journeys into that um, those disciplines. But I had this... This she's a fantasy author, but she she reads in this in this guttural kind of almost uh, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi voice. She reads the the the, the Tao Te Ching, and I said, "Dude, I think you'll dig this." And, and I think he still has the tape. I hope he does. Um, did, did you see uh, Did you see Kirk and James do the uh, national anthem before the San Jose Sharks game? (laughs) Even even those two great shredders will not help the show, will not save the Sharks. Because, like I I said this on Facebook, God, maybe I could find that post where I I analyze the difference between the shark and the penguin. He says, you know, me, I'm the peaceful warrior, right? I'm. The sharks represent dark eyes and death. And what do what do penguins represent? Penguins migrate to mate, to connect. So, I, I mean, I look for meaning in everything, and maybe sometimes it's I'm silly. I want to read that to you because it was kind of funny. Let me find it. Hold on a second. I, I don't really. I'm in real time here. Anyway, I'm coming to near the end of the show, and I'm going to play you something special because there's... Oh, we heard Prince because we lost... Obviously, we lost the great Prince Rogers Nelson. And how did I start the program a while ago? We About the, the great song about the d- drugs by, uh, by Chips Enough. And uh, that Prince was medicating... Because he was one of those fragile-hearted artists. And uh, he let the elevator get him down. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a crazy world. May 27th? Oh, thank you, Mike. Okay, let me find it here. Oh, okay, here it is. Oh, it's after Nick Mensa post, yeah. Well, you can't add me on Facebook because I'm maxed out, and it's just the way it is. And I don't, I don't really want an audience. <laughs> I just want to talk to the people I know. <laughs> you know what my dad said to me after he read? Uh, oh, here it is. Okay, Quint, Quint in Jaws described the shark, those black, lifeless eyes, 
killer, consumer. Morgan Freeman in March of the Penguins. Brave, loyal, loving, peaceful ramblers. Behold the Stanley Cup metaphor of the world's divisive madness. I fucking love hockey. <laughs> um, what did I just say, Mike? What was I, gonna, what was I just? What did I just say just now? Where where was I? I had another point, and I'm losing it. Oh, so we also lost, and I guess oh, because oh, I was saying about medication, but here we are. The, the Trump thing I did at the beginning, the um, putting into perspective the anger and how we got to like come together, as John Lennon said. But the he. he one of the greatest heroes, sports heroes, human, heroes of humanity, unifiers that this modern civilization has ever known was Muhammad Ali. And he he finally, he departed. 74, 7 and 4, 11. He departed. And the world mourned him and praised his, praised him, his contributions to the human condition long past, long transcending what he did as the greatest boxer of his time. So we're not going to deport all Muslims. We're a melting pot. We always have been. Everybody's got an immigrant somewhere in their family. Um, I'm Polish. My grandparents were from Minsk and Bronsk. We wouldn't have Martin Scorsese. <laughs> We'd have Jessica Chastain because she's from Bakersfield. <laughs> but we might not have Rooney Mara. <laughs> um, come on, people. Anyway, it's June 7th. Super Tuesday. For me, it's been a Super Tuesday because I just showed up and Mike... Stark, producer, engineer, architect of the L.A. radio studio here in the glorious San Pedro Portugal at the foot of the Vincent Thomas Bridge where the director of Top Gun checked out because I guess the elevator got him down too. It's called Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. I don't know when I'll see you again. Maybe over the summer. I think I'm coming back to L.A. to see Guns N' Roses at Dodger Stadium. So I might pop in. I know Slash said he's got a couple tickets for me, which is nice. Because I didn't even ask him for Vegas. I got taken to the show in Vegas by two sisters from L.A. And boy, they were good. Really good. God. And you know. My history with that. Welcome to my jungle, chapter one, book one. Okay, I'll keep writing. I'll try to stay inspired. You people, listen to the music. Smile at strangers. Don't be haters. My friend Jeff Gelb and his buddy Rob over at uh, Media Base yesterday played me this song. 
this cover. They said, can you guess who this is? And I, and I listened. I went, I know the song. Songs is classic. Who is that? And then I looked. And the name on the song. You'll know the song. And it's the song I'm going out with tonight. And thank you for listening. This is Cassius Clay doing Stand By Me. God bless you all. Peace, love, rock and roll. Synergize Lawn Friend Podcast.